You're listening to the Covenant Original Series, Overwhelmed. In a world that elevates those who dare to stand in defiance to the authorities around them, have we gone too far? In today's teaching, we will be rallying around the word honor and asking the question, has the hour of honor departed? So if this is your first time here, we're welcome you here. We welcome you here. This is kind of a unique day for us. Um, but, but nonetheless, I think it's an important day. Amen? I think it's the job of the church to lead the way in showing honor. I think honor is a biblical topic. In fact, Scripture, Jesus specifically talks about honor. The Old Testament speaks of honor. And so when it comes to being a church and being the people who are trying to become more sanctified, big word means becoming more like Christ every day. For us, we, we want to be like Christ. We want to show honor. And as a church, we should be on the forefront of that. I think, and I wonder if you would agree, we live in a time and a culture and a day where, where honor has been crippled. It seems like honor, maybe you don't agree, honor has been like maligned. It seems that we don't really truly live in a culture of honor. Is there anybody out there, yeah? It, it seems like we live kind of in, a, in an era of, of dishonor, which we're going to be getting to today. Hey, look at your neighbor and say this phrase for me. If you take a note, you can write this down. But definitely look at your neighbor and, and look, just look at them and say, to protect and to serve. Uh, I heard a pastor say one time, if you don't want me to ask you to say stuff, uh, just say amen a little more. So if you don't want me to have you say stuff, just engage with me by saying amen a little more. Yeah, can you do that? Oh, man, okay. All right, I get it. I got gotcha, you, okay? All right. So look at your neighbor again. Just say, to protect and serve. Come on. What you got to know about this is this is a motto that, is, that, that, that really uh, describes the original description of our federal, federal government. Federal government. It's primarily to protect we, the people, from those in our society, those even in our country, in our world, that would try to hurt us as Americans in our pursuit of, of living uh, the American dream. Now, that being said, it would be impossible it really would be impossible um, to think that a federal government could do this for every single community in America. We're far too big, cover far too much land, uh, too many people, millions of people. And so to accomplish that, the federal government would have to have a police force, you know, that's just gigantic. So, so what we did was we came up with a tiered level of authority and accountability. And so we have police that are, that are statewide. We have police that are in the counties. We have local police. We have, um, you know, different types of police. And at every single level, they are protecting and they are serving. And I think this is the way that it has to be, you know. I think it's the way it has to be. I think in order for citizens to be protected, there needs to be people that are busy about keeping the peace, now, I know growing up, my dad was a pastor, and, and so it wasn't um, surprising or shocking when we would have a policeman stop by our home. Oftentimes, my dad was the one uh, showing up to hospitals, praying with families, praying with victims, praying with people that had been abused, uh, maligned, praying with people that were in jail. And so we had a relationship with the local police. Um, but I got to tell you, um, I grew up with two understandings of policemen, right? Number one, they were massive. Now, that's coming from a five-year-old, okay? But it seemed like every policeman I encountered was just a massive, gigantic human. And that, like, they could be four foot eight, and still, I would be like, you are humongous. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a uniform. I don't know what it was. 
But, but there was that. But there was also a level of peace. I felt a peace when the police would come around. Maybe you don't feel that way. But I, I was raised in a home where we respect, we honor our local authorities. We honor them and we respect them. And, and there's a peace that comes with that. And, and I wonder if you would agree with me when it comes to uh, when it comes to police, when it comes to law enforcement, I believe that Jesus calls them to keep the peace. That is part of their job description, to keep the peace. And God takes keeping the peace very seriously. Would you agree? God is not a God of chaos. Scripture says that he's not a God of confusion. He's a God of order, which means that there was a peace in order. In fact, the book of Matthew says this in Matthew 5, 9, Jesus himself, he said, blessed are the, say this word with me, what? Peacemakers, blessed, or blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And I wonder if you would agree with me when I say that policemen and all law enforcement of all levels are our peacemakers. Yes, do you agree with that? They are our peacemakers. And I say that because they are the ones who stand in the gap for us. They are the ones who put their lives on the line for us. You know, we are quick to, to praise and quick to honor those who go overseas, as we rightfully should be. But what about those who serve in our own neighborhoods? Those who serve in our own backyards? The people that, that are the, 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 the thing in the middle between life and death for many of us. The peacemakers. That is our local law enforcement trying their hardest to keep the peace in a crazy world. I mean, I don't know if you've been. It's crazy. Maybe I'm just going to be old, so I think everything's crazy. I don't know. It just seems crazy. And their job is to keep the peace, to be a peacemaker in a culture where there is none. Walk into a situation where there is no peace and provide the peace to be the solution. And so I want you to understand that a world of ever-increasing violence, we need to honor policemen and our law enforcement as the peacemakers that they are. Not only that, but God gave us uh, policemen and, and policewomen and, 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 and people in law enforcement to help protect us and to serve us, obviously, by keeping the peace. But he also gave us specific instructions on what our relationship with them is supposed to be. You might have not, you might not have known that. But Scripture talks about this. Look over the book of Romans. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. You can follow along or just listen if you're on podcast. Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 1, it says this. Hang on, because there's a bunch of scripture, all right? But we believe in scripture. We believe God speaks through it. We show up expectant, ready to hear what he has to say. And so we're going to read it. Romans 13, starting in verse 1, says this. Let every person, let me hear you say every person. That's all of us. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. All right, we could just pause right there and have a sermon. Because for some of us, we need that preached about 10 years ago. <laughs> Right? For some of us in our 30s, some of us in our 20s, we, we needed that sermon a little while ago when we were acting the fool. The scripture says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist, man, I love this passage. This is going to get so good. You don't even see it coming. It's really good. Those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur Judgment. Okay, I'm just going to let you know. If you're a cop, you show up today, any law enforcement, you're going to love this passage. This is going to be like, you might want to get this tattooed on you. It's just so, you'll see where I'm going. It's so, you're going to just feel awesome. Look at this. It's so good. Um, 
For rulers are not terror, not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Here, here it is. Look at this. But if you do wrong, Paul takes a shift here. Paul's saying, man, if, you, if you're good, you're good. If you, man, if you're good, then you're good. But if you do wrong, <laughs> look at what he says. But if you do wrong, what are those next two words? Be afraid. If you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. Here it is. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. That is something you want to announce when you walk in as a title. Good morning, everybody. The avenger of God's wrath has entered the building. They wouldn't like to buy me a sub. I mean, it's like... Oh, it's so good. It's so good, right? It's so good. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to this, to, to avoid God's wrath, but also to take for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God. I know the Bible talked about taxes. Yeah, yeah. Attending to this very thing, pray, pay to all who is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Now watch this. This is where, this is the clincher right here. Look, it says, respect to whom respect is owed. And would you read this next passage with me? And honor to whom honor is owed. Let me just say that one more time. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. Now I love this passage because it makes it very clear. Scripture delineates between respect and honor. I think we have injured honor, believing that it is the same thing as respect. But the fact of the matter, respect and honor are two different things. Yes, they are synonyms. Yes, they're synonymous to a degree, but they have different understandings, different meanings. And, and respect is carry out different than, than, than how we would carry out honor. It's, it's two completely different things. And, and I think that we tend to think that honor is something we can, we can withhold from somebody based on their behavior. Honor is something that we can keep from somebody if, if we don't like what they do or, or, or according to their performance or, or how much we like them. But that is not what biblical honor is. No, 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 no. That's not what biblical honor is. You don't really get to choose when it comes to honor. You get that. In fact, the book of Peter, chapter 2, it says this. It says, we are to honor all people. You say, no, okay. Now, when it says all, now, what's the, do you know the Greek word? What's the, what's the original language there for all? Is that mean? What is that actually, when it says all, like all good people? Honor all people. There's really three options, or three, it encompasses, really. We are to honor those above us, around us, and beneath us. Is that, is that settled? So all, by all, you mean all people. We honor people above us around us, and people beneath us, people that we lead. And so for the, those of us who are Christ followers, we should be the ones in the front lines of giving honor. Man, I was hoping for something there. I feel like I'm preaching today. I don't know. I can't hear you. I feel like we as a church should be leading the way when it comes to honor. If we have a, if we have a Savior who honors us, who demonstrates his honor towards us, how much more? In a broken world, in a dishonoring society, should we lead the way in clarifying honor? And today, as it comes to those in law enforcement, I want to say this. I want to make this claim. It's because of your position that we respect you. 
but it's because of your commitment that we honor you. I think that's good. It's because of your position that we respect you. But it's because of your commitment that we honor you. You know, honor is a heavy thing. It is. It's a, it's a weighty thing. And in fact, in the Old Testament, we, we get this word honor from the Hebrew word kabad, chabad. And, and the word actually means heavy, weighty. So next time, I, I, heard, I learned this and I started really like wondering, maybe we got some Hebrew scholars because sometimes I get people that walk up and say, man, Travis, you know, you, you're really an honorable guy. And now it's got me like questioning like what they really mean because that meaning of the word is weighty and heavy. So it's like, next time you call me honorable, let me know like what perspective you're coming from because you might get jacked. Um, from my wife. Anyway. Oh, this, this word, kabad, this word, this word, we get it. It actually means heavy. It's weighty. It means burden. How many of us know that honor is a weight? Honor is heavy. Honor can be burdensome to live an honorable life, to live above reproach, to live in a commitment, a commitment that demands honor. That's tough. It's heavy. It's heavy. In the biblical honor, in the biblical sense, in the Bible, honor is weight, honor is value. Honor is something that we are to give away freely. Do you hear me? Honor is weight, it's value, and it's something that we are to give away freely to people above, around, beneath. We give away honor. And, and I feel like in, in our world, we have an honor problem in our culture. Would you agree? I'm going to just keep coming back to this. I, I think this is so important for us. I think that we have an honor problem in our society. And I'll tell you why I think we have an honor problem. I don't really think it begins with honor. I think it, becomes with, it begins with value. I don't know that we have as much of an honor problem as we have a value pr problem. I don't think that we perceive value in others. And if we don't perceive value in others, then how can we honor others? See, it begins with value. It begins with value. We don't see people, we don't see value in people the way that we should, so we don't honor others the way that we should. In fact, let me, let me, let me give you a, a concept here. Let me give you an idea. You could write this down, and maybe you would agree with me. It might be a little easier to remember, but it would be this. The level of honor you give, you listening? The level of honor that you give is determined by the amount of value that you perceive. The level of honor that you give is determined by the amount of value that you perceive. And so in order to change the perceived value, we have to fix our focus. In order to change the perceived value in another human being, we have to fix our focus. My wife, uh, my beautiful wife, Vanessa, she's in her mid-30s. I won't give out her age, but she's getting old. She's, she's getting old. I told her the other day I might have to turn her in um, to a nursing home. She's, just get, she's getting there. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's funny when you say a joke and then nobody laughs and you feel awkward. Um, for a lot of people, it's great. Um, she said something the other day. Just the other day, she said, Man, I need, I can't see. I, I have to get glasses. It's such great vision. I, I got to get glasses. And she said, do you have any, do you have some of those cheaters? Cheaters, if you don't know, are basically magnifying glasses that you buy at Walmart that they put into glasses, right? Like, and so you put them on, and it looks like your eyes are nine and a half inches wide. You know, you walk around the house, and it gives you vertigo if you wear them for more than five minutes. You know what I'm talking about? Cheaters. And, and, I, and she was like, I just feel... I just feel old. I, I, can't, I can't see 
see anything. But when she puts on these glasses, when she puts on those magnifying glasses, she's able to see. It fixes her focus. How many of us know that in order to fix our focus, we have to fix what we look through? The lens is important. What we perceive people as, the value that we perceive people with, the value that we see in people is largely due to the lens through which we look at people. What is the lens that you look at people with? I would propose that if we are going to fix the value in people or our perception of value in people, we must begin, and I wonder if you agree with me on this, we must begin viewing others as Christ views them. You say, how much value does a person have? Well, first off, maybe the question you would say is, well, what person are we talking about? You've already gone off course. See, we just celebrated, as I mentioned, I get excited about this. I'm sorry, i got to hold it back a little bit. But I get excited about last week because last week we celebrated Easter. And Easter is predominantly a day that is focused on value. You're like, what are you talking about? I thought I was focused on Jesus rising from the dead. Exactly, value demonstrated. See, God demonstrated his value in humanity so much to the point that he sent Jesus Christ to die for us. So how much value do people have in God's eyes? Ultimate value. How much value does a sinner have in God's eyes? Ultimate value. See, we can get off, we can start feeling like, well, yeah, I'm valued. I'm a Christian. No, you don't get it. Jesus, our scripture says, Paul says, in the book of Romans, that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated his value. God demonstrated his love towards us and sent Jesus Christ to die. We were dead in our sins. There was no hope. There was nothing good. Come on. There's nothing good about us. And yet, even in that moment, we had value in the eyes of God. And that allows somebody who is an addict, that allows somebody who is broken, that allows somebody who's walking through a divorce, that allows somebody who has been scarred deeply to still have ultimate value in God's eyes. And so if this is the lens that we begin viewing people through, how do you think that would change a society? If you look at everybody, the same value that God has on them, ultimate value, ultimate value. You begin to see things different. Can you imagine if we started doing this in our homes? If we had started assigning the same value on our children that God assigned on us? You're like, yeah, okay. I'd like to see that in my home. Children, obey your parents. Honor your mother and your father. That's good. How about this? Parents, honor your son. Mom, honor your daughter. How would our workplaces look different if bosses honored their employees, if employees honored their bosses? How would your business look different if you honored your clients, if you led the way with honor? We live in a culture that is quick to criticize and slow to honor. Let me just jump on social media. You'll see this. I wish there was a dishonor button. Like, like, dislike. And they put some emojis like, really like, you know, and oh, this makes me kind of mad, but not enough that's going to, not enough that's going to offend you, so I put it in a mad face emoji. I wish there was just like a big dishonor button that you could just push that just had a big thumbs down that says, this is dishonorable. I feel like a cranky old dude right now. I'd just be sitting at home just clicking, dishonor, 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 dishonor. Because we live in a country of critics. We live in a world that is quick to criticize and slow 
to show honor. And what I want you to know is that this is not a healthy reflection of God's desire for honor and the honor he has showed us. I'd also say this. <clears throat> not only is the level of honor you give determined by the value that you perceive, but, but I also believe it goes both ways. The level of value you receive is determined by the amount of honor you give. The level of value you receive is determined by the amount of value that you give. Let me show you what I mean. In the book of Matthew, chapter 13, we read this story about Jesus. Jesus beginning his ministry. He's going back home, his hometown. He's lived there for like 30 years. Now, Jesus, he remembers his roots. You always hear people say, don't forget where you come from. Don't forget where you come from. That boy, you know, my grandma used to say, that boy's getting too big for his britches. You know what I'm talking about? He's very honorable. <laughs> anyway, um, so Jesus, he comes home. He returns. You would think there would be a celebration. Jesus, this, this is the man who's, who's raising the dead. This is the man who, who is feeding thousands with, with small amounts of food. This is, this is the one who's calling himself the Messiah, doing mighty works. Jesus comes hometown. There should be a party. This is what happens. Look at this story. Starting in verse 53. When Jesus had finished the parables, he went away from there. Coming to his hometown, he taught him in a synagogue. And they were astonished. And said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all of his sisters with us? Where then did this man get these things? Now notice what, they said, what this says next. And they took offense at him. It's kind of like that guy that uh, you graduate high school. He's the dude that always bombed money off you for an extra slice of pizza at lunch. Then you come back like 15 years later, you know what I mean, for a high school reunion. And he's like a self-made millionaire. And you're bumming money off of him for extra pizza. And you're like, where did that come from? Like, dude, you, you used to bum money. Like, we used to be here and... See, when somebody grows beyond you, and there's been time that separated you, and they come back and you have not grown and they have, it can be offensive. Growth is offensive. Intentional growth is offensive. And so Jesus was just the carpenter's son. He takes off and he begins his ministry, his works, and he comes back. And it offended these people because he had grown. He wasn't the same Jesus returning that he was when he left. You hear what I'm saying? And we have a problem with this. We, we want to insult, we want to insult people like, why? Because it injures us. It injures our own perceived level of value. And so this is oftentimes why you won't see people who don't want to grow hang around people who do. People who want to grow get around other people that want to grow. People that want to learn get around people that want to learn. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I, how do I say this? Like, you're a bad friend if, let me just, let me just continue. <clears throat> if you have somebody who's trying to lose weight, and you're like 24 hours like, dude, let's just go eat and be fat. Like, you're a bad, you're a bad person, first off, but you're a bad friend. You are. And expect that friend to not hang around you. 
No, man, we need to be around people that challenge us. We need good association. We need people who are going to surround us. We need a wolf pack of brothers around us who are going to challenge us and push us. Are you with me? And so Jesus shows up on the scene, and he's changed, and they don't like it. And Jesus said to them this, a prophet, this is, I believe, sarcasm by Jesus. Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own house and his own hometown. A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and his own household. And notice, all that for this, look at this. And Jesus did not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Jesus, the man who walks on water. Jesus, the God who raises the dead. Jesus, who heals the blind. Jesus, who restores deaf ears. Jesus, the Son of God, shows up to his hometown, but doesn't do miracles, doesn't do mighty works. Why? Because of their unbelief. See, the level of value that you receive is often determined by the amount of honor that you give, by the amount of honor that you give. Now, listen, dishonoring Jesus didn't affect Jesus' worth, not one bit, but it did affect the blessings that he withheld from them. I wonder how many blessings are there in our lives that God withholds from us because we dishonor him. Hmm? How many blessings are there in our lives that God withholds from us because we dishonor others? Because we're not obedient in showing honor. Because we're not consistent in showing honor. I love the culture that we're building here as a church. I do. We hear it all the time. We invest in life change. We bring our friends. We, we build this together. We know Sunday's just the start. And, and probably one of my favorite, we worship in spirit and in truth. I love that. I love that culture. I think it's so important that we worship in spirit. I think it's so important that we lift our hands and raise our hands and sing in, in spirit. And be filled with the Spirit and, and worship our God that way. But I think it's so paramount that we also worship in truth, that we know truth, that we learn truth. That we, we, we care and are passionate about the things of Scripture and, and knowing the Word. Right? And I haven't been at this forever, but I've been at this long enough now that I can usually recognize, uh, I can usually tell what type of value you are going to receive from a preaching of God's word simply by your disposition. <laughs> I've been at this too long, but I've been at this long enough that I can, I can, I think, pretty well gauge how much value you are going to get from the preaching of God's word simply by your disposition. I'll show you what I mean. Many of us come to church excited. We're excited to hear the word of God preached. You sit up straight. You take your notes. You write them down. You type them in. Right, You expect to hear God speak to you through his word. Amen? You honor the preaching of God's word. Then there's some of us that, eh, not so much. We kind of show up. Kind of show up. We get, we get in there. And, and, and you, make, you make great eye contact with me when I'm preaching. But it's an eye contact that's kind of like this, like, Come on, I dare you. I dare you to try to give me the same. I dare you to try to bless me. You don't even know my week. I dare you. I dare you to try to give me something good. I dare you to try to make me care about what you're talking about. And normally you walk away and you don't have any perceived value from what you've just heard. 
All I'm saying is that where there's no honor, the level of your blessing is limited. Life flows through honor. Life flows through honor. I will say this too. You want to become somebody who's more valued by your spouse? You want to become somebody who's more valued by your husband? Show them honor. You want to become a person who, who's more valued in your children's life? You want to be a vocal individual in your child, your teenager's life? You want value from them? Don't demand value. Demonstrate honor. You want to be valued by your boss? Demonstrate honor. Demonstrate honor. In a world that dishonors many, those few who stand to be honorable individuals will make a difference. We as a church, we have determined that we are going to be honorable people, that we are going to lead the way in showing honor. You say, Travis, what what does that mean? Well, for us today, for those of you who are in law enforcement, for those of you who are, who are police or in anywhere, any shape, any form around that, we want to begin by honoring you. And honoring you means this. We see value in you. And it's a value beyond your position. It's even a value beyond your commitment. It's a value that was placed before the very foundations of this earth were laid. When Jesus Christ said, that person, they are mine. Because before the very foundations of the world were laid, Ephesians tells us that you were chosen by God, handcrafted in the womb to live out the purpose that he has planted inside of you. And so we honor you as a brother in Christ. We honor you as a sister sister in Christ. We support you. We're behind you. We think of you. We pray for you. We are kind and helpful towards you. We pray for your safety. We pray for your family. We pray for your emotions. We pray for your, we pray for, uh, your thoughtfulness as you go out, your wisdom as you make decisions. This is what it looks like as a church to honor those who protect and serve us. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.